0: Do you believe all things happen for a reason? Do you believe that God can do for us things we can't do for ourselves? Do you believe in coincidence or that there is no such thing as coincidence? What higher power moments have you experienced, or maybe you call them step two moments? What happens when you view them as miracles rather than coincidences? When have you said, I have no idea how that happened, and we're grateful for it? Welcome to episode 270 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Laura, Paula, Eric, and Tenna. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Laura, Paula, Eric, and Tenna, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery.
1: Before we begin, we'd like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program. We represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life.
0: My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is Eric. Welcome, Eric.
1: Good morning, Spencer. Welcome from Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh... Chilly morning here on the twelfth month, uh, ninth day of 2018,
0: All December. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're getting that cold thing happening too. Must be winter. You wanted to open, I think, with a reading from how Alanon works on step 12.
1: I did. Yes, you know we're in December. It's an appropriate time. A lot of meetings begin the first meeting of the month with step 12. That's probably. Uh, Happens near you, but step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. This step implies that working all of the steps, we will undergo a spiritual awakening. Although a spiritual awakening is a highly personal experience, many of us define it as a kind of transformation a radical change in perception that occurs as a result of our taking the steps. Sometimes a spiritual awakening happens abruptly in a flash of insight or the instantaneous removal of an obsession, and the whole world suddenly looks new. More commonly, though, we experience a gradual awakening of the spirit, a gentle metamorphosis in the way we see ourselves and others, a slow and subtle unfolding of our own inner beauty. Some of us actually feel reborn, hopeful, free of the fears and burdens that had previously prevented us from truly living. Thus, although our circumstances may not have changed, our lives improved dramatically because we perceived them in a new and clearer way. Before coming to al few of us would have believed that such a transformation was possible. Having been affected by a disease that robbed us of our dreams and paralyzed us with fear and rage or numbed our emotions, we doubted that there was any reason hope for a better life. Nonetheless, as a result of the Al-Anon program and its 12 steps, we've become living proof that miracles happen. Naturally, we want to share our personal message of hope with any friends or family members of alcoholics who still suffer the effects of another's drinking. Some of us would never have found this wonderful way of life had it not been for the generous sharing and encouragement of other Al-Anon members, and we are more than grateful for any opportunity to pass this gift on to others who may need it. It's important, however, to remember that the message we carry is the result of working all the steps and applying them to every aspect of our lives. When we first came to Al-Anon, many of us wanted to carry the message to others before taking even the first step ourselves. Others used this part of the 12th step to justify their efforts to push the alcoholic into treatment, a treatment program. But in time as we work the steps, we realize that we cannot carry a message we have not learned for ourselves. In the meantime, we carry our message of experience, strength, and hope every time we share at an Al-Anon meeting, make or accept a program telephone call, or perform a service for our group. Each of us has a great deal to offer to others, and that will only grow as we grow. Most of us came to Al-Anon to cope with a specific alcoholic-related problem. When we first learned a new Al-Anon principle or practice, we immediately applied it to the most troubling area of our lives. But as we recover, as alcoholism and its effects no longer dominate our thoughts, we find that these spiritual principles apply not only to the alcoholic situations, but to all aspects of our lives. An Al-Anon slogan can help to resolve a conflict with a co-worker. A step may clarify what actions we need to take in a legal dispute, or may identify a long-buried desire and make it possible to achieve a tradition may guide us in establishing household rules or running a business meeting. In al book, In All Our Affairs, members from all over the world speak of the many difficult situations that often accompany alcoholic relationships, infidelity, financial problems, physical and sexual abuse, divorce, and other challenges, and the al principles that helped them to cope. al offers so much more than a handful of problem-solving techniques for dealing with alcoholic relationships. In time, we also discover principles that can guide us through uncertainty and open doors to opportunities we never dreamed of. Our futures are unwritten books. With the help of the 12 Steps and the other Al-Anon Principles, we will fill those pages with a life that is rich in love, constructive action, and spiritual well-being.
0: Which is, in itself, a miracle.
1: It Absolutely. You know, miracle is mentioned in here, but you know, the whole thing is about the miracle of being reborn, essentially, and awakening and believing. Uh, you yep. know, it's right there. It's yep. believing that there's a power greater than ourselves that can transform us to sanity or restore our sanity.
0: Yeah. We threw around these words, uh, miracle and coincidence, when we were asking listeners to share for this episode. I feel that for many of us, in particular, the word miracle has some pretty heavy freight, you know, it, it has very particular connotations that may or may not fit with our worldview. And, and so one of the things that I think I want to do in our discussion today is, is to try to unpack that word a little bit and see how it can apply in other areas of our life besides that, you know, specific religious understanding that many of us may have. Uh, and why don't we start with definitions like we usually do? Sure. I know you've got some.
1: Uh-huh, I do. From Oxford Dictionaries. Miracle. A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. The miracle of rising from the grave. Synonyms supernatural phenomenon, mystery, prodigy, sign. A highly improbable or extraordinary event, development, or accomplishment that brings very welcome consequences. An amazing product of achievement or outstanding example of something. Wonder, marvel, sensation, phenomenon, astonishing feat. You know, the origin of the word is from the old French, from Latin, miraculum, which is object of wonder or to wonder or from mir- uh, wonderful. And Scrabble points 11.
0: So if we unpack that a little bit, um, yeah. the first definition considered to be the work of a divine agency, um, but in the second one, just improbable or extraordinary event, and looking at the the origin of the word coming from, I, I I didn't dig that far back, so that's great, you know, coming from awe or wonder, a miracle is something that when we look at it, we're like, wow, like how did that happen? I have no idea how that happened. Uh, and, and I know we're going to talk about some uh, that happened in our lives a little bit later. And then we have coincidence, which the definition that I found says a, a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent causal connection. That sounds very similar to one of those definitions of miracle, except so for miracle, the other thing is like this highly improbable or extraordinary event development or accomplishment that brings very welcome consequences. Sounds like Remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent causal connection, except for the fact of the welcome consequences. So I think that's one one difference when we think about coincidence. Coincidence can be, like, bad, or it could be good. But miracle is always good, right?
1: Yeah, and, you know, the, the difference in my mind is the, the way we look at them.
0: You I know, think that's is it, absolutely true. It's,
1: it's a go back to our episode on perspective. You know, how do you see? that yeah. these two things happened that brought about this amazing result. Yep. I right now with where I am I prefer to choose miracle. I pr- I prefer to look at something that is incredibly unlikely uh, that brought about a welcome consequence. I mm-hmm. am choosing miracle. Yeah. I'm looking at it that way.
0: Yep. Just to show you how irrelevant scrabble points are coincidence has 18 of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we can add them together and say, in this episode, we have uh, 29. There you go. <laughs> We're going with 29.
0: All right. <laughs> one of the other things that, that I think about is, and one I think that one of the things that, that being in this program has has helped me is to see miracle as something that can be really small or or something that's really big. And you know, big miracle in my life is I went from being an anxious, fearful, despairing, angry person to being a person with a lot of serenity and happiness and no longer angry. Okay, that that's a big miracle for me. That is like the miracle of the al program they gave me, right? And it didn't all come at once. But when I look at that transformation, it's like, how did that happen? I mean, that is, not, that is not something that I could have set out to do, to set out to accomplish. I had no idea how to do that. And when I came to this program and people were like, well, go to meetings, read the literature, work the steps, get a sponsor. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with my problem? You know, <laughs> right? How is that going to make me better? Uh, and they said, go to meetings, read the literature, get a sponsor, work the steps. I'm like, okay, uh, if you say so. And 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 by doing that, somehow, those 12 steps that when I looked at the 12 steps on the wall before I came to the program, you know, be at a treatment center, you know, friends, friends and family day at a treatment center, and there'd be those 12 step posters on the wall. And I'd look at that and I'd say, that has nothing to do with my problem. Those steps have nothing to do with my problem. Well, turns out that somehow doing those twelve steps led to this miracle of recovery for me. Okay, so that was that was huge. How about you?
1: Well, I mean, for me, it's about believing. You know that it's really steps one, two, three. You know, came into came, came to believe. Yep. and I just I just had to surrender and say, you know what? I'm 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 not going to ask why. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to continue to believe that if I do what this thing does, I'll get what these people have. And that's what I want. And I'm just going to blindly go forward. I don't, I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to question why. I'm not going to ask how. I'm just going to do what they say at every meeting to a newcomer. Keep coming back. Okay, just shut up and go to a meeting, okay?
0: <laughs> Keep coming back. Just
1: yep. <laughs> stop asking, you know, okay, well, feelings aren't facts. Explain that to me. And what about this? And how come that? And how come there's war? And how come there's famine and death? Just go to a meeting, okay? Keep coming. Believe, believe, believe. There's an interesting, uh, I'll quickly sum- summarize this to put it in the perspective of scope this 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 topic which you know a month ago i probably suggested and you know i thought eh, i don't know is this really something that is going to connect to a lot of people and have meaning for a lot of people i mean i guess we've experienced some things maybe deja vu you could say is some sort of weird miraculous thing that a lot of people can identify with i heard someone mention you know what is it that, you know, when there's many examples of now that I've tuned my, you know, as we say, when we start thinking about something that we want to learn more or want to possess or like to improve, the more we think about it, the more we get it, you know, signs, we more we experience it. It's the law of attraction, you know, ask for help, continue to ask for help. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. These are miraculous things that what our brain has the power to accomplish, just seemingly miraculously. Um, And I don't think it's coincidental, and there's a lot of very powerful studies that say so. This is from Huffington Post. The title is, Are Miracles Real? And it says, Many people today are familiar with the miracle stories in the Bible, parting of a sea, water turned to wind, and most frequently in the New Testament, healings even of blindness, leprosy, and the reversal of recent death. Yet, it's not just people in the first century who believed in miracles. Various polls pegged U.S. belief in miracles at roughly 80%. One survey suggested that 73% of U.S. physicians believe in miracles, and 55% claim to have personally witnessed treatment results they considered miraculous. I mean, what, I guess... I guess this is a, a pertinent topic. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, those numbers are staggering. And mm-hmm. in, in just another one little paragraph here on the second page, numerous medical studies have shown that Faith and faith communities provide a coping resource that often facilitates better health outcomes. A number of these global reports, however, exceed even our best current expectations for what, quote, faith can produce. In September 2012, Southern Medical Journal published an article showing that some people in Mozambique tested before and after prayer experienced significant recovery of hearing or eyesight. The Medical Bureau at Lords. Has long examined evidence for extraordinary recoveries. So you know, I'm sure there are many, many people out there that have these stories of you know physical recovery, uh, medical recovery that just transcend anything science or medicine could have possibly uh, uh, you know created an outcome. And and doctors are you know quoted here as saying this you know this is a miracle. Uh, I have a story from another friend I'll share later about his miraculous recovery of his daughter, you know, who was just in such dire medical condition. I'll just briefly touch it now, then. A friend of mine, Eric, who I spoke with yesterday, he was one of our topic moderators at a Four Step anniversary meeting, had a daughter who was just so ill, she needed brain surgery and heart surgery concurrently. And the miraculous series of events that that led to her finding a doctor that was the daughter of the therapist that my friend was seeing that at the best children's hospital, Boston Children's Hospital, ended up being her surgeon. And Eric had in his groups, you know, over 100 plus people praying for her. Brain surgery, aortic surgery, nine hours with a bypass, walked out of the hospital two days later with zero complications. Yeah, you know, it's just inexplicable. Amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes in the program we refer to these things as step two incidents or higher power incidents because these are the things that help us understand, come to believe that there is a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity, right? Right. I was uh, looking through one of my old journals where I had been working the steps and there was a question, have past experiences affected my concept of a higher power? And I wrote down several things here. This was in 2011. One which I already talked about, but that is just so significant to me is the way in which my ragefulness was removed without me doing something explicitly to make it be gone. Um, and I viewed that as, as the work of a power greater than me, because I didn't want to be that rageful person that I was. I didn't want to scream at my kids. I didn't want to yell at my coworkers. I just did it, and I didn't know how to stop. By coming to Al-Anon and by starting to work this program of recovery, and about the time that that I was, I think working Step Two for the first time, I noticed that it was going away, you know, that, that it was happening less and less often. And that eventually it just basically wasn't happening. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't get angry. It doesn't mean I don't get impatient, but the outbursts that I used to have were just, they went away. And so, you know, I viewed that as, as evidence of a higher power, evidence that there was something that could restore me to sanity. Cause that was definitely part of my not sanity, you know, when I came into the program, another one that, that, I had forgotten, but my wife had bought a a sports car, used sports car, when she was in her 40s. I always called it her midlife crisis car. It was fun to drive. I enjoyed it. it we didn't need it, but, you know, it was it was there. And one morning, it was parked on the street, and we were having breakfast, and, and the doorbell rang, and there was a policeman at the door. He says, is that your car across the street? And I said, yeah. He said, well, it looks like somebody ran into it and totaled it. Oh. Yeah. Of course, we were not happy about that, right? So how is this? How is this a higher power story? Well, it's a higher power story because a couple of weeks later, after the insurance company had agreed that it was totaled after trying to like lowball the repairs as much as they could. And they said, nope, it's totaled. So we got the check just in time to make the down payment on my wife's residential treatment. We did not have that money. This person running into our car, and we never did find out exactly who it was, although we had our suspicions, enabled us to get her into her her first real recovery that led to her first period of long-term sobriety. So that is just, for me, that's a huge example of a higher power working in my life, using something that seemed at first to be a bad thing, to lead to a good thing.
1: yeah. I mean, if the, you know, if I saw a cop at my door asking, is that your car across the street? I think my first reaction would be, it depends on why you're asking.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you I know, mean, I think <laughs> he pretty much knew it was our car because I'm sure he had run the plate and got the address, right? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do I have a mailbox dragon behind it or something okay but <laughs> i mean you know you you when you're talking i you know I, I just remembered a couple things that i'm sure a lot of people have heard in either movies or books about you know someone that misses a you know a, a train to get to the airport or or is late and misses their flight and and the flight ends up crashing or having an incident And it was a miracle that they missed their, you know, that they couldn't hail a cab to get to the airport on time. And that particular plane, you know, had an incident or a crash and people were injured. You know, we've all heard these kinds of stories. And there's other little things that in this last month I've just been popping into my head, like. You know the, the the kind of thing that a lot of people might experience, which is kind of a small miracle. Like I'm thinking of an old friend, haven't connected with in years and years and years and years, and I think, you know what? I'm just going to call, and the phone rings, and it's that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have had that experience. I think I probably have had that experience. I'm thinking of somebody, and all of a sudden, run into them wikipedia here it says law of truly large numbers statistically impossible events are often called miracles for instance when three classmates accidentally meet in a different country decades after having left school they may consider this as miraculous yeah i mean it's a matter of opening our eyes to it and with the law of attraction which i've been reading a lot about in the last month it's amazing that when we really start to wake up which this program for me is about awakening you know it's about being present it's not missing the little stuff the, you know some people the big stuff you know the miracle of childbirth you hear that phrase all the time i mean it life is a miracle you know to quote einstein you know there are only two ways to live your life one is as though nothing is a miracle the other is as though everything is a miracle Today, I'm choosing to look at it as much as I can in the second part of that phrase. Today, I'm choosing to look at my life through the filter of miraculous and look at the weather and the flower and nature. I mean, a lot of people look to nature as their higher power. I certainly do. You know, I I, I had no uh, – there was there was no hand of man in the making of this planet and, and the stars and sunsets and flowers and the beautiful, uh, miraculous. You know, watching from a film I just recently saw, The Family Man, I, I saw it years ago, I watched it again, and it's a miraculous movie. And the thing I'll just – I'm not going to go through the entire movie, but the thing that he said towards the end – was describing his young child to the woman he loved who no longer knew him. If you watched a movie, you'll understand why. The sentence he used stunned me to the point where I needed to turn off and pause the the show. And he said, our son, Josh, is three years old. We know he's smart. He doesn't talk much. But when we witness him learning something new for the first time and see it in his eyes, it's like witnessing a miracle. You know, watching someone learn something, watching my daughter learn something for the, you know, something new, processing it, learning it, and seeing her eyes brighten. To me, that's witnessing a miracle. Einstein, everything's a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I want to believe it.
0: Yeah, so you pointed out that that, that quote is just like the first couple yeah. of sentences in a longer reading, which— I want to read a little bit of here. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes at therecovery.show. So it starts out, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. But without deeper reflection, one knows from daily life that one exists for other people. First of all, for those upon whose smiles and well-being our own happiness is wholly dependent and then for the many unknown to us whose destinies we are bound by the ties of sympathy. A hundred times every day I remind myself that my inner and outer life are based on the labors of other men living and dead, that I must exert myself in order to give in the same measure as I have received and am still receiving. A human being is part of a whole, called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Only a life lived for others is worth living. So that's interesting going from this notion that everything is a miracle to that brings us to our connection to other people. And as a codependent, uh, that last sentence is dangerous one for me. Okay. (laughs) Only a life lived for others is worth living. I know what he's saying, but I can take that and twist it in my, in my codependency to say, that means that I have to totally submerge myself in, in helping others. And I, I, pretty sure that's not what he's saying here you know the fact that that we have connections with other people that we find love in our life that you know those are those are miracles too right
1: that last sentence also is really about compassion it's about caring it's about looking outside of ourselves absolutely and you know the prior sentence really goes further to explain it our task must be to free ourselves from the prison which is a kind of optical delusion of consciousness in the prior widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty that's you know that is humility that is empathy that is kindness courtesy that is what he is referring to i think and it's interesting i've heard that you know there are only two ways to live your life one is though nothing is a miracle, the other is the everything. I've heard it so many times that it's in, it's even in the bottom of one of the pages in Cards to Change, I believe. But I never had heard the rest of it, his explanation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, it really, he goes, and you know, he's a pretty smart dude, right? Yep. His other quote I found, which is really good, it says, um, Your imagination is your preview of life's coming attractions. Yeah. You know, this guy believed in just thinking that good things are going to come and, you know, willing it to come and asking for help and believing that everything has a purpose and it's all part of some divine equation. Uh, We've all heard if you if you can perceive it, if you believe it, you'll achieve it. Uh, That's the law of attraction. And a lot of this for me
2: Mm.
1: about miracles is asking for miracles, you know, believing in miracles. For me, they're starting to happen more and more.
0: We did ask listeners to, uh, to write or call in with their experiences. Got one here from Ben, who writes, Hi, Spencer. I heard you ask on the last episode for examples of miracles or coincidences, depending on one's view of the issue, and I thought I'd share mine. I usually describe as my step two moment when I discuss it at meetings, as this is what made me believe there might be something more powerful than our own wills that helps to guide our lives or at least to nudge us in healthy directions. When my wife, one of my qualifiers from whom I am now separated, was deep in her addiction and I hadn't yet found program and was in denial about what was really going on, she said several times she thought she was pregnant. But the pregnancy tests were all negative and so I chalked it up to the insanity that seemed to have infected our lives back then and didn't think much about what it meant. A few weeks later, she decided she needed to go to rehab in large part because when she thought she was pregnant, she realized she couldn't stop drinking or using and that scared her. I welcomed any decision that might bring an end to the chaos of our lives. A couple of weeks later, I visited her in rehab one evening. We were supposed to go to a session with the counselors, but she said we should sit on a bench and talk instead. She told me she had been throwing up every morning for a week. I, still clueless, asked if she had a virus or if the food there was terrible or what. She said no. She had morning sickness because she was pregnant. Obviously, Nobody fantasizes about finding out they will be having a baby while visiting their partner in rehab, but in hindsight, it's amazing that something made my wife realize she was pregnant, even when the test said that she wasn't, probably because it was too early just a few weeks. I have known many women who didn't realize they were pregnant until a couple of months in. It seemed to me some kind of higher power had opened her eyes to the fact that she was pregnant at a time when it was critical that she knew. If she hadn't realized, and then made the difficult choice to go to rehab, she could easily have kept on drinking heavily and using cocaine for the first few months of pregnancy. Who knows what would have happened to our baby, or if he would have even survived. Now we have a healthy, energetic, wonderful son who's almost seven. That's all the evidence I need to believe there is some power greater than ourselves that provides us with clarity when we most need it. Thanks for all you doing your show, Ben. That's a wonderful, a wonderful miracle, Ooh. Ben.
1: wow you think
0: um (laughs) and how do you explain you don't explain that right you just you
1: believe it it it, It happened just yep just Mm -hmm. thank be thankful be grateful and you know don't ask
0: you want to read the one from raquel
1: sure hi spencer i've benefited so much from your podcast over the last year thank you so much for all of the time and energy you put into keeping them going The other day, I was having a pity party about something that had happened with my qualifier. I was outside of a local store, going back to my parking spot, laden down with bags. Suddenly, I saw a little sparkly flash on the ground, right next to the door of my car. I bent down and found a very small, bright charm, which was a Hamza, a hand of Fatima. That is the very symbol I have been considering for a tattoo, which would be my first with the name of my qualifier etched into it as a sign of protection for us both. A brief explanation I found online says the following. The Hamza is an ancient Middle Eastern amulet symbolizing the hand of God. In all faiths, it is a protective sign. It brings its own happiness, luck, health, and good fortune. I took this as a step two sign that my higher power is watching over both of us and that I can release my qualifier to their higher power about a week later i found another small charm on the ground in a totally different place i actually ignored it on a friday afternoon leaving work figuring someone would come back and retrieve it on monday it was still there so i bent to see what it was it was a very small charm an eiffel tower charm i decided this was great good luck and now i carried with me with the other charm to me, this symbolizes letting go and living my life, and possibly traveling or allowing myself to have fun, regardless of what is happening with my qualifier. Thanks, Raquel.
0: And and thank you for that, Raquel. And and I love that these two letters we have a sort of a big miracle and a, and a couple of little ones here. You know, mm-hmm. just evidence that that the higher power is out there. You know, guiding us, taking care of us. You know, helping us to believe, right, that at the beginning of step two, came to believe, you know, and these things sometimes help us to do that. Why we call them step two experiences, I guess. Charlotte writes, Hi, Spencer. I've been listening to your podcast for over a year, and it has been a tremendous tool in my path of recovery. I'm forever grateful for the time, effort, and love you devote to this endeavor. You have recently asked for miracles. For me, finding Al-Anon has been one of the major miracles of my life. The meetings I attend, the people I have met, the way the whole movement goes on without organization and bureaucracy is such a miracle. I worked in management, studied group dynamics and organizational structure, and have been part of many organizations, both formal and informal. al with all its challenges, functions better than them all. Another thought on miracles that was shared at a recent meeting. Wait for the miracle. It may be a long wait. Look for the miracle. It may be disguised as a tragedy. My spiritual path is a miracle wishing you serenity charlotte i have often thought that that 12 step recovery the whole concept of 12, 12 step recovery is some kind of miracle that 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 we we're actually able to create this thing that after you know thousands of years of people struggling with alcoholism right yeah. that finally somebody was guided to to something that works for many 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 people And finally, we have a voicemail from Tanya.
2: Hi, Spencer. This is Tanya. It's the first time that I am reading a voicemail, although I have been listening to the podcast for quite some time now. I'm calling in about miracles. I have experienced many of them since starting... In program about a year and a half ago. Most of them are small and easy to not notice. That isn't the case with this one. My two teenage boys had not spoken to one another for months. The tension in the house was palpable and we were walking on the eggshell. The very first day that they were home alone all day together, the ceiling in their bathroom literally caved in. They mobilized and got buckets and Mops and the superintendent and worked together to fix the problem and I'm happy to report that they have been on speaking terms. Certainly it has not been a smooth road but I definitely feel that HP's presence became known that day and has been guiding them ever since. Before program I would have totally thought of this as a coincidence. But I know better now.
0: There's this is Psychology Today article. Titled something like how to use meaningful coincidences. Yeah. The paragraph that I highlighted here, and it's talking about how to use them. It's headed. It's your choice. Meaningful coincidences offer us possibilities, not certainty. They are best thought of as signposts rather than directives. We are probably not being imposed upon by some external force, although some of us do think of them this way. Some offer a clear path forward. That seems very reasonable to take others present confusing ambiguity for the ambiguous one, select the option which best suits your need in both the short and the long terms. Some are tempting, but not the right thing for us. That means refusing to follow the implied suggestion. But this possibility, not certainty, and signposts rather than directives, I think that for me comes back to this question of how do I view these things that happen? How do I view these these coincidences or miracles? And when I see them as a suggestion from my higher power, a hint uh, Raquel finding those two charms and taking those as a sign to, to let go and a sign that that her life could could go forward for those two charms. You know, and that's interpreting—interpreting uh, is not the word I want here— sort of, you know, hearing a higher power voice in that very small thing. I don't know. I'm not saying it really well. You You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I mean— I'm just looking back at Wikipedia, and this is interesting, and I hope you attach this article, because it talks about the different religious denominations or philosophical explanations, going back to Aristotle and uh, Buddhism, David Hume, who speaks about, you know, the transgression of a law of nature or particle violation of deity by the interposition of some invisible agent. You know, something that's not visible is, and it's interesting, the, the, the views on it from Buddhism, almost every sect uh, or uh, religious uh, Christianity all have a version, Hinduism, all have some version of things that are miraculous. You know, again, it goes back to with me for this episode about when I seek, I find, and when I look, I notice. And faith, okay, that's what I wrote, faith. Without faith, I don't think there are miracles, regardless of whether you have any, you know, God or religious, you know, part of your daily life, but faith can be non-denominational. And with faith, I find the ability to see things as miraculous. So I don't know if that ties into your question, but for me, it's, it's you know, and certainly we've done other, you've done other episodes on faith, but it's about believing. And I believe that the power greater than us is out there. And all I got to do is ask for it and look for it. For sure. I had a couple examples here.
0: Yeah, please. <laughs>
1: I was thinking about over the years and more recently when I'm actually looking for miracles. You know, and the more I seek them, the more I see them. As I said, I shared with you the story of my class ring. I think that is kind of miraculous. I don't know where I put this, but I went to a very challenging college for engineering, civil engineering, and and I worked hard and I did well. And when my mom finally uh, realized I'm actually going to graduate and with a degree in engineering. She sprung for the class ring, you know, which is not is not inexpensive, you know, couple several hundred dollars with, you know, my discipline, which is B.S.C.E., Bachelor of Science, C.E. on one side, and the year on the other. But she also then even jumped it for another whatever, 75 bucks, and inscribed my name on the inside. And so I was very proud with my birthstone, Peridot, and Leo, as you might guess. <laughs> <laughs> So I got it a couple of months before graduation and was wearing it proudly, and between our final exams and the actual graduate, commencement graduation, we had about five days, so three or four of my knucklehead classmates and I, fraternity brothers, said, what are we doing here? Let's let's uh, jump in your piece of junk Ford Escort and and uh, see if it'll make it to somewhere warm or lay on a beach for a few days, so jumped in the car with... Three cases of eggs, basically, and drove down with that Bunsen burner from the lab to cook it. And drove down to we just picked a random spot, Kitty Hawk. We want to go see the Wright brothers and lay on the beach, and which we did, and had a lot of fun and laughs. And three or four of us drove back, having slept in the car and on the beach, and probably did the whole thing on a hundred bucks between the four of us because we had no money. And graduated. And as I'm packing up to move to New York City, to Manhattan for my very first job, uh, I, I notice I can't locate my ring. And, uh, I'm just so busy trying to get my stuff. I'm sure it got put in something. I get to New York, unpack in my apartment, uh, sharing with my brother, and no ring. i I'm devastated. I couldn't bear to tell my mom. And never really, I never did until later, okay, the rest of the story Paul Harvey says 23 years later uh, I get an email, it was 2005 I get an email, I'm working in Williamsburg, Brooklyn building, and uh, the alumni department says, did you lose your ring? <laughs> I said, I replied uh, yeah, I sure did, I said well you know, they were thinking maybe last week I was on vacation, I said no, I lost it 23 years ago I said well it's turned up in the winter coat pocket at a thrift shop in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it's, it's my ring because it has my my name and my year and class. And it was on my finger the next morning. They FedExed it to me, and uh, I think that was pretty pretty remarkable. And the you know Lafayette magazine ran an article that said, "Found, lost, found." <laughs> with a picture with a picture of me holding up the ring. How about 23 that? years later. Yeah, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you figured it was probably buried in the sand or something, right?
1: I had no idea. I didn't even put it together that it might be on the beach, you know. I don't know. So I wear it on occasion when I when I want to feel particularly lucky, when I'm looking for some some uh, a boost and some uh some some miracles. I put the ring on.
0: I just want to say I think that yeah. what you just said really speaks to this question of how does it change you? How does it change your experience when you view something as a miracle rather than just uh, a random coincidence? And, and, you know, what you said, you wear it when you want to feel particularly lucky or something, you know? So viewing that as a positive, you know, your higher power or whatever worked to get your, your ring back to you 23 years later changes the way you view the ring now, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, and just as with people that have a tattoo or a talisman of any sort, you know, a necklace, a cross, it, they, they do it for a reason. You know, I wear a bracelet that has a, some potentially, I guess, healing powers. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I think that when I touch it and hold it, and I do it at times where I'm asking for help. Yeah, and I, hey, there's no downside. For this okay right there is zero de- that is zero downside true. and there might be huge upside that who is, knows that it's, is
0: true okay I'm, now you got a couple more stories
1: well i'm gonna give you two real quick i mean in prep for this you know even before this actually before thinking about this topic i got a dog my daughters and i have well, we've we've had a fa- we had a family dog for 13 years, a yellow lab. He became a a therapy dog. He passed away about two years ago, and I, I've been really hesitant to get a, another dog, just because the memories of Jake were so strong. And anyway, so after a year or, or so of thinking about it and putting in all the parameters for the dog and trying to get a dog that you know, my kids wanted a small one, I wanted a big lab, and so we found this dog. And it's a rescue. And it came from a bad place. It came from a high kill shelter in Tennessee. Clearly, it had been abused, but it's a gorgeous dog. And we finally found a combination of doing a DNA test that it's American Bulldog, uh, some Stratfordshire Terrier, which is a bit of pit, pitbull. And what's interesting, American Lab. And then Great Tyrannies, which is the part that was mind blowing. The dog we decided to name rudy and i chose rudy because it's uh my father's middle name he passed away about two years ago Mm -hmm. so we the dog is rudy and he's really come around he's uh he was very very skittish and shy i think my higher power sent me this dog honestly because that dog my trainer said this dog came from somewhere where he was abused and i think it was by a tall guy with a deep voice Well, that's me. So he said, you need to change the way you communicate with this dog. You need to lower your voice, be gentle. You know, you need to train this dog with a feather, not a fist. And I have. I approach this dog now, this beautiful creature. I speak in this tone of voice, and I lower myself down to his level, and he comes to me versus in the past. When he first came three months ago, he would run away. So he's been just an amazing gift. And one morning, about maybe a month and a half ago, I also have been carrying around a uh, Andrew Wyeth painting print that my mom gave me, who passed away only about two and a half months ago. So the dog's named after my dad. And this painting my mom had given me is by Andrew Wyeth, and it's called Master Bedroom. Pretty famous, and it's a picture of a dog laying on a quilted cover of a bed curled up on the bed. So about 2 months ago on a weekend on a Sunday I walked into my bedroom and the dog is curled up laying on the bed. And the painting of master bedroom has been over the headboard of every house I've ever lived in for 30 years. And it's right above I I I had a step two moment. I had a aha holy cow higher power. I went and got my 16-year-old daughter I said, come and look at this. She walked in and said, oh, how cute. Rudy's laying on your bed. I said, no, look above him. She looked up at the painting and said, Dad, that's Rudy. It is the identical dog. I had chills. It's the identical. The dog looks exactly the same. They're curled up in the same position. The picture my mom gave me, the dog named after my dad. My mom had just passed away. Yeah, i'll send you the, i'll send you the picture it's
0: yeah. no you said uh, it already
1: uh, oh yeah she said dad it's him that's rudy in the picture
0: so if, if if people want to see the picture i will put it in the show notes the recovery.show slash 270
1: yeah so more recently you know that was a chilling and beautiful beautiful moment i've shown it to people and they were all blown away and this mm-hmm. one's just you know Call this coincidence? I prefer to think of it as a higher power moment. Let's put it that way. Sure. I am, uh, you know, now I'm two weeks into thinking about the topic of miracles, coincidences, and I fall asleep pretty early, but I always uh, usually wake up in the middle of the night. So I fell asleep 10 30, quarter 11, one night, a few weeks, two weeks ago, and I'm thinking about the topic of the podcast upcoming and how. Prayer and meditation tie to step 12. You know, one precedes the other, although you can start step 11 anytime. I've been doing meditation uh, now for three years, almost daily, almost routinely, let's put it, pretty much every single morning. And uh, step 11, step 12, are going to my mind, uh, spiritual awakening, connecting to my higher power by prayer. And then uh, I fall asleep. Some reason I open my eyes uh, about a little while later. I have no idea how long I've been asleep. It's probably ten thirty when I fell asleep. I just the only clock in my bedroom is on the you know the cable box, which I have to raise my head to look down over my feet to see. And I raise my head and I look down and it says eleven twelve. Okay, weird coincidence. I've viewed it as whoa, <laughs> whoa. I fall back asleep. Again, as I usually do, I usually wake at some point during the night, and then I do a sleep meditation, go mm-hmm. back to sleep. But and when I wake up this time, I'm thinking, you know, steps one, two, and three. Also, I would speak a lot about turning it over. Step two, you know, came, you know, surrendering, coming to believe, turning it over, and believing in something greater than ourselves. Step one, two, three. I was caught in steps one, two, three, one, two, three. One. I called it the one, two, three dance. Yes. Yeah. For years before I moved to step four and tackled that over the course of a year. So I'm thinking about one, two, three as it relates to 11 and 12. I, you, you, you're going to guess what, right? Mm-hmm. I, I raise my head, look over my feet. It's 1 23 a.m.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <sighs> what the heck? What are you doing to me, dude? <laughs> yeah.
0: What are you doing to yeah. me, dude? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Pretty cool. But those are my two recent, aha, uh-huh. step two moments. Pretty, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Big things, little things. Yeah. And and it's about noticing, right? It's so much about noticing. Yeah. As you say, when I seek, I find. When I look, I notice. And if I'm not looking, if I'm not looking for these miracles, I don't find them.
1: Yeah. I just mentioned lastly this uh, a guy that wrote a book, and I think it's worth mentioning, called God Winks. Mm hmm. It's a book about things that are just too coincidental to not be miraculous, and the the examples he gives are really amazing. And I have a Godwinks on Godwinks, which we talked about the other day. I heard someone mention that book in a 12-step meeting, you know, maybe three years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And I make a habit. I've I virtually never missed the Sunday morning show, CBS Sunday Morning, currently with Jane Paul Each, previously Charles Osgood and Charles Corral. So I left this meeting where he's talking about the book and the author, God Winks, and how these miraculous things just seem to, you know, line up on occasion. <laughs> and this guy wrote a book about it. And I get home, as I usually do, almost every Sunday. I uh, grab the paper, grab some coffee, a little lunch, sit down, and I watch the DVRs CBS Sunday morning. And wouldn't you know, the segment in the first section of the show was an interview with the author of the book, Godwinks. Mm-hmm. So it was a Godwink on Godwinks.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Too random to not be miraculous.
0: Too random. I mean. All right. Um, I want to close this segment with a reading you found in the book, Hope for Today. We're sort of bookending the the, the episode with step 12 at the beginning and step 2 at the end, which seems like maybe yeah. backwards. But this is a, oh. a reading that talks about you know sort of the step 2 miracle. So this is from July 29th in our daily reader, Hope for Today. Step 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, filled me with hope that I could live a sane and balanced life. In my family, there was never a sense of balance, just extremes, poverty and plenty, power and helplessness, violence and an uneasy calm. I longed for balance, for a feeling of normalcy that might help me feel safe and connected to others. When I first came to an Al Anon meeting for adult children, several people assured me that the hope offered in step two was real. As I listened, I began to see the miracle of other members being restored to sanity and finding balance in their lives. I heard their stories change in tone from worry to faith and from confusion to clarity. By witnessing these miracles, I came to believe that God could lead me to a saner way of life. I understood, asked for help, and relied on my higher power to restore me to sanity. The answer to my plea was to learn how to live the serenity prayer. With help from fellow Al-Anon members, I slowly began to define balanced manageability for myself. God helped me discern the difference between letting go of the things I could not control and changing the things I could. I once thought balance was the privilege of those who had grown up in normal families. I thought I was permanently damaged by the chaotic extremes of my childhood. Now I know it's possible to be made whole, to be rebuilt, to be restored to sanity. And the, the thought for today no matter how much I may have been damaged in childhood, step two gives me hope for healing. I think, you know, again, that illustrates the, the miracle of recovery that so many of us have found in this program. And that if we stick around, if we, if we work it, we'll materialize, I think, you know?
1: I think there's a, a phrase I just remembered uh, that I've heard in the other rooms, which is don't leave till the miracle happens. Have you heard that?
0: I, I have heard that, and um, I, I actually lived that. I, I did not leave till the miracle happened, which was first my own recovery and then uh, my wife's recovery. You know, And Al Anon gave me the ability to, to wait till the miracle happened because there was no way I could have done that without, without Al Anon.
1: For me, having patience to get there is a miracle in and of itself. Uh, <laughs> yep. I did not I did not come into this program with a lot of patience. <laughs> I want it, I want it now <laughs> i'm
0: I'm reminded of a of a skit that my daughter's karate school used to perform at their annual extravaganza. Um, they called it Boot to the head. I think it's actually called Taekwondo, leap it and it was from the second city uh, Toronto second city Troupe. and there's a character in there who's who doesn't have patience, and that the Sensei says, you must have patience. And the guy says, yeah, yeah, patience. How long is that going to take? <laughs> Love it. I, I do, I do. Sure.
1: Where, where, where can I go buy that?
0: Yeah, okay. where can I go buy that patience I, is stuff?
1: That, is yeah. that on Amazon? I'll yeah. put it in my cart today. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it Amazon Prime though, no, I hope, because I need two-day delivery. <laughs> yeah.
0: So instead of uh instead of music here, I wanted to talk about you sent a couple of clips from films about believing. Yeah. Uh, and the first one is from Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I think the clip was titled Susie Believes, and it's from the the end of the movie. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie, it's about this guy who claims to be Santa Claus and and for some reason, he goes on trial because they think he's crazy or something. I don't completely understand. You know, it was a while ago, and the the lawyer guy successfully defends him as being the tr- the true Santa Claus, although he doesn't really believe it. This guy Chris Kringle told Susie, the little girl, that she was going to get her her dream home, and they're driving in the car, and they're taking some different route in the car because they're avoiding traffic, and she's sitting in the back seat of the car saying i believe i believe i believe and suddenly she yells stop the car and she jumps out and runs up to this house that's for sale and it's got exactly the things that she wants in a house you know so that's sort of the the belief leading to the miracle thing i don't know watch the clip it's really cute
1: well the the part that the, the part that you missed was that Actually, Chris gave them that route, the directions. Oh, Chris saying, gave them the, go the this route. Way, okay. Yeah, he said if you go right. this way today, you'll miss the traffic, you'll avoid that light, and it's a lot better and nicer way to drive. Okay. He gave them the
0: route. Okay. That <laughs> that that I missed. Yep. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So go watch it. It's at therecovery show slash two seventy. I'll have the YouTube link right there.
1: Is it possible that someone on this planet has actually not seen that
0: movie yet? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess it's possible. Guess. <laughs> it's possible. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I'm, I'm thinking. Um, yesterday, I went to my step meeting, and we were talking about step nine. And it was it was well, step nine was was just the right place for many of us around the table to be, apparently, from what people shared. One person said she had a sticky in her book that said something like, remember, amends are for your peace of mind, not for the other person. And, and that wasn't the exact quote. And another person said, I really needed to hear that because I need to make amends to my alcoholic father, and I'm having a lot of trouble with you know, sort of getting the willingness to do it. And th- and thank you for that. But what it, what it said to me was what I thought of was the experience of how living changed behavior can actually change my life. Uh, uh, some years back, let's say 10, 10 or 15 years back, I was this angry person, right? And even when I got rid of the rage, I still had a lot of impatience particularly when I was under stress. It still comes out some when I'm under stress. But one time, I think it was in my annual review, you know, my annual, my boss does, boss does my fifth step for me thing, right? He said, I have heard that there are some people in the company that are afraid to go talk to you because of the way you, you know, you respond or the, you know, the, the anger that you show, the impatience that you show. And That blew me away because I didn't, number one, I didn't know that that was happening. Uh, Number two, that was not the person that I thought I was. And um, and it definitely was not the person that I wanted to be. You know, so that's sort of like step four there, right? And, And the willingness was like, oh my God, I need to change this because this is not who I think I am. This is not who I want to be. So step six and seven follow there. And clearly there was some amends that needed to be made, but I didn't know who these people were right? Because he's preserving their anonymity. So all I could do was change my behavior to everybody. And in particular, change the behavior with the people that I was most impatient with. And there were some of these people that I interacted with on a daily basis. And so I just started trying to do something like when this annoying person came to ask me a question, put a smile on my face before I opened my mouth, right? I think number one, maybe the the smile helps them to feel that they're welcomed. Their question is welcomed, but it also changes my feeling inside and helps me to be a little bit more patient and a little less snippy, if you will.
1: I have a feeling I I may know who you owe the amends to.
0: Well, I, there that were a lot of annoying
1: people. that annoying person that comes to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, that annoying, person. you might. Yeah, you might that,
1: start with that person.
0: Well, you know that person no the, longer works for us, but um, <laughs> oh. and there were other people. I'm sure there were other people. I just don't know who they were. So, you know, I had to change my behavior with everybody. Well, yeah. this week, a little bit, of, a little bit of setup here. Our user support group that you know helps people who are using our system when they have problems to to work through their problems. Every month, they choose somebody in the in the company who they feel is embodying the the organizational values that that we've identified. And I think I talked about those in a previous episode. And they call that person their values Victor for the month. Well, this month they chose me. And they said Spencer is always ready to listen and help whenever I come to him no matter what's going on. And things like that I was like this is so night and day from where, you know, where I was whatever it was 10 or 15 years ago that This process of asking for help to change and then doing the footwork enabled me to make those amends to the point where other people's view of me has flipped 180 degrees. Like that where I was the guy you didn't want to come to because I would bite your head off. Now I'm the guy who, in their words, is always ready to help that's a miracle. I'm the person I want to be. Right? It's a miracle, and, <laughs> and I'm just going to stop there because that was just the power—the power, the power yeah. of making amends by changing behavior um, yeah, in my life. How about you?
1: So it was a busy week. Actually, uh, we had two uh, anniversary meetings, beginning with last Sunday, the twelve and twelve step and tradition meeting, which is was their thirtieth anniversary. And it was incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, three speakers, AA, Alatine sponsor, uh, an Alatine, 12, 13 years old. He hmm. spoke last year when he was 12. And he spoke at the World Service Conference in Maryland this year. So amazing. He was amazing. And then uh, the uh, AA speaker and the Al-Anon speaker. Who's a, Al-Anon speaker is a very close friend. He was, he's blew me away. He blew everybody away. Probably 60 people in that meeting. It was amazing. Really great. Nice. Um, another meeting on Saturday was on um, confusion, fog, and uncertainty, actually, was the topic on that one. I wrote, when in doubt, don't. Uh, it's one of my new favorite sayings. I don't know if it's where I heard it, but it, uh, it just reminds me, if I'm not sure, just take some more time. When, it, when the time is right, I'll get, I'll get some guidance if I ask for it. And the other, don't just do something, sit there. I wrote, and then, and this was from one of the readings I wrote when the leader was reading from one of our books. Uncertainty is not a fault, but an opportunity. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote, which is a, a parable or a proverb from bottom page of one of the uh, days in Courage to Change. If you understand, things are just as they are. If you don't understand, things are just as they are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, Every experience can offer me a gift. That's from curve to Change, too. Mm -hmm. And then the quote I wrote in here is from, let's see if you know who this is from. Everything has its wonders, even darkness and silence. And I learn whatever state I may be in therein to be content.
0: Hmm. I don't know. Einstein.
1: Think about the words darkness and silence. Uh, Helen
0: Keller. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Helen Keller. Darkness and silence for sure.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the men's group last Saturday was on confusion again. And I quoted from uh, someone that brought up the show Get Smart. You remember the Get Smart with I, Don Adams? I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were constantly trying to battle the two two agencies, chaos yep. versus control. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Funny. Uh, the story yeah. of our lives. Okay. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, and then this Thursday meeting, Linda led. Everything happens for a reason. Right or happy? I wrote Law of Attraction, all related to today's topic. I think I <clears throat> steered it that way a little bit because it was on step twelve. That's why spiritual awakenings and miracles. As every as, does everything happen for a reason, mm-hmm. and then the fourth step anniversaries. I'm not done yet.
0: Oh, okay, fourth step. Oh. You said <laughs> there was a lot of.
1: Yeah, Friday was the fourth year of our fourth step meeting. I started with a couple of people four years ago, and uh, it started with three people. We go for Blueprint for Progress. It takes a year to get through the book, which we didn't even know because it's 26 chapters. We take two weeks per chapter. And now that group has grown to about 15 on a regular basis. The anniversary meeting was Friday uh, just uh, two days ago. And there were probably 40 people, and it was incredible. We had, again, an amazing al speaker, an amazing Alatine sponsor speaker. And I think by way of her speaking at that meeting, we had another girl step up to try to get um, approved as an Alateen, which is amazing. As, uh, you know, as of everyone who... I've, uh, when I what got me into public outreach was hearing this over and over. You know the mm-hmm. phrase I wish I'd known sooner. Mm-hmm. So how how better would it be to have these principles you know taught to our children in their teenage years? How better off might they be you know yeah. in coping with life on life's terms? And that was kind of my week. Uh, that's it. And the men's group last night uh, was four of us, and we did step twelve.
0: I want I want to talk to you sometime about how you do that that fourth step meeting because that. Every time I hear about that, I think, you know, that would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time. So, well, my, my step meeting, um, every first Saturday of the month, and I've spoken about this, we're, we're working our way through Blueprint for Progress, but we do it like one question at a time and everybody around the table shares on that question. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is they started at the beginning of the book and, like 2007 and we're almost to the end of the book. So this, how, how do you do this in, in, in just a year? You know, um, I think it's fascinating and I really would like to, to hear more about that another time. Diana sent us in a share.
3: Hi, it's Diana here. I wanted to say thank you for the gratitude recording. That was exactly what I needed to hear. I think many of us are dealing with grief and it's important to remember to highlight all that we are thankful for, or else we do get caught up in that cycle of self-pity, blame and shame and anger. And since my last recording, I've amped up my self-care this year. I joined a gym, hired a trainer, seeing a nutritionalist, going to acupuncture, and then, of course, my continued recovery meetings and therapy. And out of that, there's been this real deep connection for me. I acknowledge the holes in my soul as an adult child. And I'm realizing more and more that I'm meant to fill those holes. That I cannot look to another to heal my soul. And I think sometimes we seek out that healing in relationships, friends, jobs, even in a church, as I did. And they weren't meant to be the source. And that that overburdens others. And I'm learning to love myself. And I'm recognizing when I need to go self-care, like read, exercise, cuddle my dogs. I recently discovered that my stepdad succumbed to his addiction. He passed away. I felt sorry and also relief. There's a lot I could say around that, but he's his addiction was something he fought his entire life over, basically. And it progressed to heroin. He ended up coming to me in a dream and told me how sorry he was and that he wanted it to end differently. And I told him I forgave him, you know, and that I loved him. And it may sound odd, but I feel like he's brought our family closer together out of that experience. I just want to thank you for this program because I do feel like it's saving me listening to all the people share. It's as if I'm hearing my story in their words. And I thank everyone for, for all the vulnerability. Take care.
0: Thinking ahead, I'm thinking about doing a year-end or year-beginning topic of my recovery this year or something like that. And I'm looking for your contributions again. Please join our conversation. When you look back over 2018, how have you practiced your recovery program? How have you changed and grown? What stands out for you? And maybe what do you want to do in 2019? How do you want to continue your recovery, how do you want to change your recovery? Where where are you going in 2019? If you want to share on any of, of those ideas, those questions, please do. And P- Eric, people can do that by email or by voicemail. How can they do that?
1: You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734 one zero seven eight seven nine five. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at the recovery.show. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic, Do You Believe, or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to talk about, let us know.
0: Everything that you need to know about the recovery show is on our website, which is therecovery.show. We have notes for each episode, links to the music, or in the case of this episode, film clips that we talk about, links to other recovery podcasts and websites as well. The next film clip is from the, the movie, The Polar Express. And again, it's, it's near the end. And to set this up a little bit, I, 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 I actually, I, May have seen this movie a long time ago. I don't remember a lot of the details, but there's this little boy who I guess is having trouble believing in Santa or something, right? Even though he's ridden this Polar Express to the North Pole. And he sees a little jingle bell on the ground and he picks it up and he shakes it and nothing happens. And then he says, I believe, I believe, I believe. And he shakes it and there's this really clear bell tone and all of a sudden Santa's there and and the movie goes to the ending. So again, this, this concept that when we believe that things can happen, when we believe that miracles can happen in our lives, then sometimes, you know, they do, they do, right? we got a few more shares on gratitude that came in after I recorded the gratitude episode. So I'm just going to read a a couple here. So Eric sent me a text on Thanksgiving with this list and I'm going to let him read it.
1: Rather than do my standard, you know, alphabetical gratitude list, I decided to use this one. See if you can put it together. I'm so very grateful for the slogans and sayings of the program. S E everything life has to offer good or bad the relationships that I cherish of friends and family, e empathy for those suffering and less fortunate than me and nature and the beauty and lessons I can learn from the simplest wonders of life. I interest in others and my intelligence, T tolerance and forgiveness and why the wisdom to know that yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery and that today is a gift.
0: And, uh that spells something. I'm sure people can figure that out,
1: huh? <laughs> uh, Scrabble points, oh, 100 million. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Alice says, hi, I'm grateful for recovery for knowing that I will more and more find a way through my difficulties and sense of being overwhelmed by people and situations and feeling compelled to certain unhealthy behaviors and people. That with recovery and others in the program and my higher power, I will find a way to have a healthy mind and live peacefully through storms, even the ones that get the better of me. My higher power can turn everything to good and give me deep peace. I'm grateful to come off a crazy roller coaster and live in peace and keep choosing more peaceful options. Then I can also take good risks because I know I'm held and I know when it's okay to do that. But the storms still come and that's okay too. That my journey in this regard is as simple as prayer and fellowship, turning up to meetings, and working my program. This more peaceful trajectory helps me to be grateful for the leaves, autumn colors, the changing light, small kindnesses and friendships, little coincidences and growing relationships, because I'm not so caught up in the drama, I can see those things better. I'm grateful that I don't usually hold on to grudges, and the program has taught me to be open-minded and to have better self-care and express my needs. And thank you, thank you, Alice, for for those gratitudes because I I have those gratitudes as well although I don't think I could have expressed them that well. Kathy writes, "Hi, my name is Kathy and I'm an addict." You want to read that one?
1: Uh, sure. Here, in just a few days, I will be having disc replacement surgery on my C7 disc in my neck. It might sound odd that I am grateful for having a surgery, but not after you hear my story. My neck injury came from two incidents. First, my breaking a windshield while driving drunk, and secondly, by being in a relationship both were in active addiction and today i have four years and seven months clean i'm married to a wonderful man who was also in recovery i have a home a car and a warm bed i'm back in college to be a psychologist of addiction and am a published author and an artist my gratitude is immeasurable for naaa and the 12 steps i hope my story gives you gratitude also see i have been homeless twice divorced and believe it or not, kidnapped. That I'm still am grateful for every day on this earth. All the trauma I went through while in active addiction has left me with PTSD. But I would rather have PTSD and the physical scars than spend another day getting and finding ways and means to get more. Thank you for your time. I just wanted to share some gratitude for my recovery. Thank you, Patty.
0: So those were the gratitude emails. Charlotte writes, "I suggested you consider doing an episode on finding a meeting." "'approaching that process from the point of view of the complete newcomer, "'but also considering how you might decide to stay or leave a meeting. "'I've been in Al-Anon about three years, "'and I've heard shares about meetings that were not useful and even toxic. "'Just as one listens to stories about people who have been very hurt "'by individuals who are part of a religious organization, "'there are stories of groups that don't follow the traditions and concepts "'and in so doing may feed the egos of some attendees "'but are not helpful to many who come looking for recovery.'" I stopped attending a small meeting close to my home because the people attending did not talk about or focus on recovery. Instead, meeting time was a time for them to vent about the bad things that had happened to them and the people who weren't meeting their needs. You know, that's that's a, a great topic, Charlotte. We did, wow, we did an episode way back about, like, it was tell something like your first meeting. I don't remember exactly what number it was. Might have been like 10 or something like that. I'll have to go back and look and put a link in the show notes to that one. But I think it might be time to revisit that question. So thanks for the idea. you get got uh, Jen's note here.
1: Hi, Spencer. Thank you for your podcast, which was a lifeline to me as I returned to counseling 25 years after my four-year relationship with my alcoholic, who was also physically abusive. Inexplicable sadness, fear of panic attacks to think this year. I now realize that I left a physically abusive partner 25 years ago only to marry a controlling financially and emotionally abusive partner 17 years ago. I'm now facing the reality of my current marriage and lifetime of feeling fear and dread about walking through the door of my home due to the family issues that waited there. Listening to your podcast helped me feel less panicked and alone. I am considering attending a local Al-Anon meeting again. My counselor and friends are lukewarm to the idea when I bring it up. What would you say to someone like me who is messy and a, quote, quote, cold case, but experiencing problems related to a relationship with alcohol from a long time ago that still affects me now? Thank you again for being a light in the darkness.
0: I would say go to that meeting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> admit, there's a, in the reading of the first step in the book, How al Works, it says, even when there are no alcoholics directly involved, the effects of alcoholism continue to dominate. And that's what I'm hearing in, in your note, Jen. Go to that meeting. It doesn't matter if your, your friends and your counselor are lukewarm. If you go and if you find that it helps you, that's what matters. So, do that.
1: Yeah, if the medicine works, you probably have the disease.
0: Yeah, right. Yep.
1: I always feel better after
0: We got a voicemail from Catherine.
4: Hi, Spencer. This is Kathy in California, and I just wanted to let you know that I just discovered your podcast, and I am so grateful uh, to be listening to it while I'm preparing my Thanksgiving dinner for tomorrow with my family. I am grateful for both of my recovery programs in ACA and in Al-Anon, and have been in program for some time, but always consider myself a newcomer. My son, who is 26 years old, and one of my qualifiers, went into recovery when he was 18 and is now clean. And recently, this past summer, got married and is um, starting his new life, drug-free, with his new wife, and it was such a celebration in my heart to see miracle happen right before my eyes. And one day at a time, God willing, he will continue on this path of uh, being clean. And I will continue certainly on my path in my own recovery. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for calling, Catherine. Stacy writes, Spencer, I'm at work and feeling a little blue and felt like I needed to listen to your podcast. I'm listening to your podcast on gratitude. Oh, so this is another gratitude one I put it in the wrong place. I'm grateful for you and your podcast. I'm finding that I tend to focus on the negative and don't often focus on the positive. I'm codependent and I'm with an alcoholic in recovery and divorced from an alcoholic. I sometimes forget that I need to do things for myself like listening to podcasts and getting to meetings. Stacy. Yep. Well. I'm glad we could uh, give you a little gratitude in in your work and when you were feeling blue. Mary Ellen left us a voicemail.
5: Spencer. My name is Mary Ellen. I live in Lafayette, Louisiana. I had to call and just tell you what a difference that this podcast is making in my life. I've been in Al-Anon now for about a year. Um, I have three small children that I had in less than four years and the oldest just turned four who also has autism and my husband is currently in treatment anyway, blabbing on and on, but I can't always get to meetings as often as I'd like to. And this podcast has changed everything for me. I'm able to listen on the way to work, at lunch, on the way home, just whatever it is, what you're doing is awesome. And I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate it. And I'm always looking forward to listening to the show. You know, it's just a great resource for your home on people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for sharing. Rebecca in Australia says, hi, Spencer. I noticed there have not been new episodes recently. I guess it might be related to your health. Hope you're feeling okay and resting. Well, I just wanted to thank you so much for the show. It means so much to me and has helped so many members with whom I have shared it. Thank you for everything. And, there was some colds in there there was some travel in there and there was some just plain busy in there and i'm finding that that my life is quite busy at the moment sometimes things that i really want to do don't get done um, but that's that's what it is um, thanks for writing thanks for caring it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Laura, Paula, Eric, and Tena did. And thank you again for your support. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click or tap on the books link in the menu at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon, i.e. your Christmas shopping, after clicking on one of the links, will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support, in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to the recovery.show or just listening, we are here for you and you picked the song for our our last uh, interlude here loving spoonful do you believe in magic
1: yeah it's just a, it's just a really happy song <laughs> and everybody probably if, uh, anyone near our generation is
0: for <laughs> do you believe in magic yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and it's pretty pretty beautiful lyrics and uh upbeat and you know part of uh, miracles is the magic and Absolutely. the magic of this time of year and You know, to quote uh, little Susie from Miracle on 34th Street, I believe, I believe, I believe.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. My understanding, love and peace growing you one day at a time.